Hi, this is Haley Beebe, the Carveline Color Admin. Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Janus. Hey, Paul, how's it going, man? Good, Jack. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I had another conversation with Murdoch over the weekend. He's excited. I, that's great. I can't wait. I, now all we have to do, I mean, we may just have to surprise surprise Jeff. Yeah, we could do it like in old school, you know? Uh, yes. Get the, the van, pull up, put a hood over him. That's right. Yeah, I think that's I a mean, good plan. Wait, we yeah, don't tell Jeff's- people these things ahead of time. That's okay. If Jeff was listening, he would have called us back already. Sure. You know, so he's a, he's a big guy. It's going to take both of us to uh, pay attention and sneak up on him. Yeah, we might need to recruit a couple other people. Get yeah. Danny, maybe some Billum. There you go. Yeah. Yep. On another note, we thought we were done, but we're not. I just can't let it go. We got, we're going to have one more episode in this Cost of Coding series because I realized... We really only talked about atmospheric systems last week, and uh, that's only kind of part of what we do. And so I thought one of the things that we do a lot of is we should totally talk about immersion-grade coatings and tank linings and when you would use thin film versus thick film, the different type of technologies that are out there, and uh, kind of where you see the cost and the life cycle, just like we have done up until this point. That's right. And that is really a great thing that this guy does is it does bring into into the discussion immersion grade coatings. And you know, a lot of it they've centered around the AWWA standards for interior coating systems. So it, it kind of lends a little bit of cross uh communication, you know, so different agencies can be able to talk about the same systems and do some actual comparison. Makes it a little bit easier to to work with other groups. If you haven't been able to figure it out yet, and if you haven't been looking at this document along with us through each of these episodes, we're now kind of moving into table 1B. And it's really as we look at the, it's the practical maintenance time for coding systems and immersion service. And so it's it's talking about the same thing. How long is it going to take until your first maintenance of real doing real repairs? Yeah, and, and something that is very important here that we need to talk about or in this document, they only cover three different chemicals. And the chemical is the number one thing that is going to drive the service life of that coating. One coating technology might last for 20 years in potable water, but not last five minutes in sulfuric acid. That's right. And, you know, that is one of the key things to, to remember. And as if you've ever called into Carboline Tech Service and talked with us about how we make our coating recommendations, That's the first thing that we do because all of our testing is done in those services. And some, sometimes a resin technology just does better in different chemicals. You know, probably one of the hardest questions that I get from a, from an internal standpoint, it's not hard to answer, but from an internal standpoint is when somebody asks, why shouldn't I use coal tar epoxy for a water service type project? And as long as it's not potable water, it's hard to come up with reasons why you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Coltar epoxy does fantastic in water services, and it's cheap and it's easy to apply. It's been around forever. It lasts forever. So it is one of those that just does well. 
Mm-hmm. And it is uh, kind of the entry level on our immersion grade epoxies, uh, whether or not coal tar or uh, straight epoxy that isn't coal tar. These are all going to be kind of grouped in the same relative area as far as cost. But with coal tar, as opposed to like uh, regular epoxies, not 100% solids epoxies, but like solvented epoxies, the coal tar, you're going to go a lot higher in in thickness. You're going to be up around 16 mils. So you're getting a little bit more protection. And why is that important? That's important when you start considering the substrate. So, and and we'll just get this out of the way now. When when you're looking at tank linings, uh, depending on the years you need, things like that. But the number one rule for why you would go thick film versus thin film usually has to do with the substrate itself. When you're on concrete, you always want to go thick film for the most part because the concrete's so irregular that the thinner film stuff has a hard time having a complete coverage. The other reason why you would go thick film would be you want to do it in one coat. You don't want to do multiple coats, multiple lifts in your application. That's exactly right, Jack. When we talk about how are you going to approach your project, that's one of the first questions that we have to bring up is what is going to be your application process? You know, is it going to have to be, do you have plural equipment? Do you have heavy duty equipment that can pump 100% solids products? And that is the key benefit is you can do it in one coat in most cases. And that being able to apply a thick coating in one pass is usually where your savings comes because you're going to pay a little bit more because you're using more material. But we know that generally speaking, you know, the cost of the coating material itself is a small fraction of the overall job. And it's really still only about 25% usually the price of the actual coating application process. So being able to do it in one step and saving all that labor is really going to help to add up if you're able to do it that way. But in a lot of cases, it's still more material than you need. So then we look at the thinner film uh, coatings, the solvented coatings. Mm-hmm. And so as we look across this document, like you said, they put some of the AWWA inside systems in there, and that's from the uh, standard AWWA D210. And what that standard does is a whole standard for that that industry but uh, I think one of the reasons why they included it in this specification is we're, we're only looking at water immersion for life cycles. So it's felt appropriate probably to put those different uh, systems in there. That's right. The real thing that you have to look at is when you get into the different chemicals, concentrations and temperatures, there's just so many variables that affect the service life of the coating that it's really not practical to include it in this kind of a document. You're just trying to keep, they're trying to give you a baseline here as to how do you compare different technologies. So they got to kind of draw a line to say, nope, that's where we're going to stop. All right, Paul. So let's talk about a fairly new product to Carboline. It's called the Placite XAR470. And that XAR stands for Extreme Abrasion Resistance. That's right, Jack. This is the first in what Carboline will be bringing into this category of products. And the XAR470 is a ceramic filled coating for those extreme services where you need high abrasion resistance and fantastic chemical resistance. Yeah, it's got a Novolac binder system. So, you know, Novolacs are good for chemical resistance. This is great uh, for slurry pipes, mixing blades, screw conveyors, bulk material handling, uh, sand and chemical mixing, some pump casings, anything that you think of that needs that extra protection from abrasion. And I don't mean little, I mean like this is going to protect your stuff. Extreme. All right. So as we look at this, you know, we have, you know, we talked about coal tar epoxy. We talk about epoxy epoxy. 
So there's different, you know, they have several different systems here. And obviously the more coats of the epoxy, the, the longer service life you get. Uh, they go all the way up to a three coat epoxy system that gets a, a little bit longevity. But where we really see the spike in longevity is, is when we get into the 100% solids materials. Those look like in a lot of the same services, in some cases, have about, you know, 150% of the service life of the other coatings. That's right, Jack. And really where we look at those kinds of things, the primary thing, you know, I give a presentation during corrosion school and I think it was one of the ones I used to give. It's a matter of permeability and really everything in our universe is permeable. It's really just a matter of time. So when we look at coatings, some of them breathe more than others. Some of them are more permeable than others. But when you get these really small molecules, water is one, methanol, ethanol, those small chemical compounds, they really have a tendency to penetrate the coating itself. And one of the things that you see is the more coating thickness you have, the longer it's going to take for them to penetrate. And a lot of times the additional thing that's going to uh, weigh on the service life is what's the cycle? Is this something that is 100% of the time in immersion? Is it got a varying fill level, mm -hmm. like where the tank is going to be partially depleted at other times? How often does it get loaded and how often does it sit totally empty? What are the environmental conditions while it's sitting empty? You know, we know what kind of effect cold wall has. We've talked about that in some previous episodes. Well, you have a similar effect that happens because the, the liquids that are on the inside of a tank have permeated the coating. So if you've emptied that tank lining and not properly ventilated it as it's emptying, and all of a sudden now it's hit with an empty tank and the sun is beating on the outside of it, you're going to get a rapid expansion and a rapid push to get the rest of anything that was left in the coating film out into the tank. So it's important to understand the whole process because you don't want to do something that's going to cause arbitrary or artificial problems which didn't have anything to do with the chemical resistance of your lining. You don't want that to happen because of a cleaning procedure or an emptying procedure. That's not where you want your problems. Sure. And now that Paul's freaked everybody out who's listening, that just means you got to call them and talk to them about your specific situation. That's right. Now, one other note I should make about these 100% solids product, if you look at them by a per gallon price, they're cheap. Yeah. But the applied cost, because they go on so thick, is actually more because you're you're now talking about in excess of 20 mils usually. You know, a lot of times you can do, you know, with the 100% solids polyurethanes, you might be up over 100 mil. And that stuff per gallon is really cheap. But per square foot, when you start getting into your thicknesses, it, it starts to even out. Is that, a, is that a different discussion that we need to have? Is that a different day? Or do we cover mil square foot? Yeah, mil square foot. We can have that conversation. In fact, I think there's a whole presentation that you give twice a year at Corrosion School uh, that is exactly that talk. And it would make an excellent podcast. And uh, we've talked about our Corrosion Schools in the past. We just did a bunch of them online and uh, to huge success. Hopefully we'll have some more in the future. Yep. What I would say is now as we move on, we just have kind of a couple left. And I'm going to put these two together and make all the chemists mad. Uh, but on the high end of the spectrum, we have vinyl esters and polyesters. And with those coatings, they are extremely chemical resistant to a specific type of chemicals. And they, nobody ever really wants to use vinyl esters. If you've ever used a vinyl ester, you know how bad it smells. And 
Bondo would be the, if you've ever used Bondo before, that's the same kind of uh, aroma. Yep. The reason we use them though is because they are so resistant to acids. That's right. There's, when you've seen sometimes the containers, you know, if you've ever worked in a lab, there's a lot of times where you'll see things, all of those plastic squeeze bottles, those materials are chosen for a reason. And it's similar resins that are used in those types of bottles as are used in vinyl ester type tank linings. There's some modifications because you don't want to squeeze a tank lining, but you know, that is the similar chemistry that's involved. Sure. Yeah. And I think that about covers these different coatings that you would use for immersion grade coatings. And when I was in tech service, the question that I dreaded the most was life cycle, especially in immersion, because every little thing matters. You know, we've said that a bunch. It's true. If you have one little error in your surface prep, that's going to be the failure spot. If you have a holiday in your lining, that's going to be the failure spot. So these are all very important to make sure that we're, you know, getting them on correctly and getting them in the right service. And so I think unless we can come up with yet another area of our industry to talk about cost, this will probably wrap up our talk on cost of coatings. Excellent. For now, that's uh, it for us, and we'll see you next week. And so for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And... We'd, We'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for, for your support. support. Who put the light?